Hello and welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech, the podcast that celebrates the clean tech industry and the people that power it, brought to you by Brightsmith. For our seventh season, we're speaking to clean tech leaders about the process of investing in a cleaner planet. From inspiring stories and words of wisdom to financial forecast and investment insights, you can learn all about the people and companies who are driving these investments and propelling us towards a cleaner, greener tomorrow. I'm your regular host, Jenny Gladman, but this season there's a twist. I'll be taking a few months off to have my second baby. So I'm handing the reins of our podcast over to a series of fellow Brightsmithers who will be season seven's super co-hosts. So without further hesitation, this is Jenny Gladman. I'm still here hosting today, but today I'm joined by a brilliant co-host and one of Bryce Smith's ever-growing hydrogen team, Hetty Lauder. Uh, and today we'll be chatting to a fantastic guest with a fascinating story from joining the university chemistry group several years before when she was the age to do so, uh, to later receiving a PhD in chemistry and moving on to work for some of the hydrogen industry's most interesting startups. It's my great pleasure to welcome editor Runkowska, chief material scientist, advisor, and seasoned guest speaker to today's show. So editor, welcome. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. <laughs> great to, to kick off with just a little bit about yourself. For those who don't know you, can you give us a bit of an introduction? Well, my name is Odita. I am the chemist. My background is in material science and membranes. So this is something that I started diving into since my master's studies. I, I was acquiring my knowledge and skills from early on, always internationally in the cross-functional team. So starting from my master's, I, I worked already at, in Poland at the University of Nikolaus Copernicus University in the collaboration with the Technical University in Austria in Graz. Then I moved towards my PhD studies and I, I've done something quite unusual because I did this double PhD simultaneously in two countries, two universities, at the end acquiring two, two, two PhD titles from two universities from two countries. And this is where I could hone and master the, the skill of science research and, and dive even deeper into membranes and membrane separation technologies. This is like my main expertise and, and specialization. When I finished that, you know, well, I didn't say that to impress you. I, I said that to impress upon you. But when I finished these two PhDs, I was, I sat down and I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> and I knew two things, basically, that I don't want to continue living in Poland and I want to basically go into industry. And uh, there was this opportunity to, to come to UK. So after, you know, being in France, being in Poland, I, I, I basically uh, got got an opportunity to 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 move out to to English speaking country because this was something that I had on my goal list and I, I moved on the spot basically I packed my suitcase one week later I was already in Scotland and I took a leap of faith and I didn't know what will what will what, what's awaiting me there I, I I just knew that I will have a roof over my head and I, I I moved and then I started to figure it out my life there how I can break into industry and soon I was to discover not that not only one industry but four different sectors are interested in my skills starting from chemical industry textile medical and automotive and automotive industry was the closest to my heart it was also an industry where the most innovations and breakthroughs were happening and it was no brainer. I just went for it. I joined a rival, a startup, working first for, for its uh, um, 
sister company, Happy Electron. Then I was working for Arrival. Arrival was uh, very interesting uh, next experience for me. And I, I pivoted from membrane separation technologies towards fuel cells for commercial application. And currently I, again, <laughs> switched a little bit towards different technologies, still in hydrogen space, but now I work for an electrolyzer company, Hatec. And again, I changed countries and now I live in Germany. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's basically the story. <laughs> it's a great story. And yes, I think you are fairly unique with the double PhD. <laughs> I think strong mind, strong heart. Yes, I, I was. I was the first one in the in the, my Polish university, the first person to to complete this double PhD between two countries. Yes. Well, well done. Thank you. Um, and I think before we get deeper into the present day, um, when we first spoke, you told me a, a fantastic story, which I'm a, a massive believer in in role models and mentors and the power that they can have on your future um, and your present, but your future particularly. And I'm going to ask you to share the story with our listeners around your your school chemistry teacher and, and where that led, because I think um, for those of our listeners who perhaps a bit younger and, and not knowing what direction to take i think it's one that is very inspiring but also the you're someone that clearly takes a lot of leaps of faith um <laughs> so you've done this several times but I, maybe the first one going so well was perhaps the kicker for the others so yeah over to you yeah so basically my my chemistry story started early on when i was at the level of junior high school so i was around 15 years old at that time and it was my first encounter with the chemistry lessons i think and yeah basically um i had an amazing teacher she 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 loved chemistry and she inspired me as well with with how chemistry can be very interesting and and beautiful and something clicked for from basically the day one and she she taught me everything she knew at that point and uh, then she introduced me also to uh, her ex-supervisor from her master's studies at the university in my hometown and uh, i started attending this university already and and i was connected also with with one group uh, that was the this chemistry club for chemistry enthusiasts and i was working as a imagine as a 15 year old girl <laughs> who, who barely started <laughs> her you know serious topics at school and i was working shoulder to shoulder with professor uh, professors and academic students in this chemistry club and organizing some extracurricular chemistry lessons for pupils in in primary school or junior high school and organizing some chemistry shows for for kids not only for the sake of you know explosions and colorful flames but also to to teach them chemistry by by basically entertainment as well uh, that that was really fun and that was my first encounter with chemistry like this let's say the serious chemistry and and going beyond the classes and and it, basically the, everything started there I, I i eventually stayed there to to study chemistry and and i spent another 10 years <laughs> at this university diving deeper into chemistry and i think this was a love from the first sight and I had no doubt I want to study chemistry in such a, in such a, you know, bigger depth. I love that story. What was your teacher's name? Uh, Renata. Ah. <laughs> Renata. She was also a very strong persona. She was amazing woman and amazing mentor and yeah, and someone who, who ignited this passion for chemistry for me. And I'm, I'm ever grateful to her because I think without it, 
I don't know if, if I would end up <laughs> liking chemistry that much. It's a great story. And I think just one other thing I'd like to find out is obviously she was a, a great mentor and role model to you in the in the early years. But since you've come out of academia and into the, the world of industry, what role have role models and mentors played to you? Yes, I also came across brilliant people, brilliant minds and, and such an entrepreneurial spirit. And, and this is where I also um, discovered the importance of also, you know, commercializing these findings because you can also, you can do all sorts of research and, and studies in the, in the academia. But what I find the most interesting is also the, the angle for commercialization of this research and and making a difference also from within the the industry uh, because this is uh, this is also brilliant for me how technology can be a tool for a change as well and i i, I met brilliant people starting from i don't know the, the, like the ceo of the first startup i work for and some of my peers and yeah i mean you can you can learn from from a lot of people and and i took every chance to to uh, to use that possibility. And I guess as someone who's now really benefited from those mentors and is, you know, that inspiring women to, to lots of people in the industry, what advice would you give to those people who are like yourself, 15 years old, kind of getting into chemistry? Where can they find their mentors? Yes, I mean, I think first of all, it's be curious and, and uh, you know, how to say that, you know, it, don't don't let this curiosity fade away and just ignite it and uh, and find ways to 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 stay interest interested and and uh, ask questions and th this is something that helped me from when I was still at school and I was studying and uh, till now when when I'm in the work environment because uh, sometimes we we think that we need to have everything figured out but this is not the case and asking questions asking you know uh, your your peers and also people above you can can really bring a lot of value for what what you are what you are doing. I guess good thing to bring from the academic world where you can ask those questions and I think that's something me and Jenny were talking about is that shift from academia into the industry you know how did you find that change from going to being a PhD student to, to working in these cool startups? What I found out is it's a different environment different language that the, those two worlds speak and it was an interesting learning curve to <laughs> to also kind of loosen you know loosen up the mindset of an academia where I, I remember for example the situation where I was asked to present a presentation I I prepared a presentation very thoroughly, 40 minutes talk, and uh, it was more of an academic lecture now than the, let's say, pitch that I was <laughs> expected to deliver. But uh, yeah, I mean, this, those little things, for example, was something that I needed to accommodate, but also a different way of looking at the research. And because I, I worked for R&D startups, and there is a different approach to, to the research compared to academia when I think about industry. And yeah, th this was this was a very brilliant thing to experience because, as I mentioned, it's it's more about the commercialization of of the products that needs to hit the market, and and there is a different yeah different approach to to how things work and how you approach the the, the research basically. Yeah, I think your your open minded nature probably made it easier for you than some, because um, <laughs> you have to be willing to change, and I think that's where having these conversations with a lot of people that make that shift, they find it very difficult because actually 
the the one consistency with academia is that you're generally in it for a very long time and so you get very accustomed to doing things in a certain way and then someone tells you to rush that something and it feels like a a bit out of your comfort zone and, and learning for that to be your comfort zone I think is quite a challenge for some. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. It's it's a different pace of working as well, and and you need to grow the muscle to to accommodate those those requirements because I mean the, the, these are different criteria at stake. You know, you have stakeholders, you have money that people invested in it, and you know it's it's um, yeah it's it's a different different angle than in academia. And and thinking about the hydrogen space, it seems like you've got yourself firmly in that world now. What was it about hydrogen specifically that appealed to you? I'm I'm fascinated, I think, about the fact that, you know, it's it's probably one of the simplest reactions in the chemistry in general that, you know, that, that is involved in either a fuel cell or the electrolyzer process because it's, you know, either creating water from gases or breaking <laughs> this water into gases. But it's, it's, yeah, it's such a, let's say, simple a reaction that involves so complex processes and so complex materials and you know the, su- su- such different requirements that needs to be made from the, from the point of view of materials hardware and system etc that needs to lead to the efficiency of the technology and and this is this is really fascinating from from the point of view of me as a as a scientist and, and chemist and and when it when i think about the bigger picture and where everything is heading with with different let's say policies and global goals, this feels like a very, very important place for me to be in. And I wanted to be a part of the, the, the movement and process and the conversation. And I wanted to, to contribute with the tools and skills that I have to the change and to, you know, to the, uh, let's say, better tomorrow. I know it sounds maybe cheesy, but I mean, I, I, I do things for a reason and I don't want to just do work for the sake of uh, collecting payslips, right? I, I want to contribute and leave my footprint, and and I want to do this to the best of my capabilities. And and this is where I found myself in, and this is where I can leverage my skills, I think, the most. And I think it's so nice to hear someone talk with that passion about wanting to have an impact. I think we see it so much in the hydrogen market, though it's really full of, of people like that. So glad to hear you're finding the same. Um, and having worked in all those startups we mentioned, you know, Happy Electron, then Arrival, and obviously HTech. Now you're obviously very qualified to understand how a startup works, um, and I know that's a whole different pace in itself. So, how have you found the, the startup life? Invigorating, <laughs> I think. It's, I, I I think I I really like. Well, I don't have a comparison of working for a very big established company yet but uh, I mean I, I find oh well maybe Hatek is one of those companies because I mean Hatek is already on the market for the last 25 years so there is a structure to it and there, it's, it's a different pace than when I was working you know in in the UK although it still feels sometimes a little bit like startup-y and and I, I thrive in this kind of environment because also this is the chance for me and forever for for anybody who wants to contribute to the to to I don't know development of the technology, bringing order into into the chaos, etc. So this is the space where you can really show up, where you can you know bring your ideas to the table and and really make a change from early on and help to shape the different processes and different uh, different decisions that are being made regarding the 
for example, technology that the startup develops. No, definitely. And I, I know you mentioned that HTechs, I guess, slightly different to, to the other companies. So just to, to dive a little bit deeper into to their work and, and what you're working on there, you know, how is it all going firstly, but also what, what's HTechs place in the hydrogen market at the moment? Yeah, so HTEC is a, is a developer producer of uh, proton exchange membrane electrolyzers. It's, uh, it's a company, uh, a very fascinating company for me as well. They are also backed very strongly by MAN Energy Solutions. This is their parent company and uh, yeah, with a, with a very ambitious goal. Uh, of reducing 1% of global CO2 emissions by being one of top three proton exchange membrane electrolyzer players. So uh, there is lots to do. Uh, I'm here hired as a, a proton exchange membrane expert. So what that means in practice, well, I will, I'm helping the company to, to basically bring them to the next level when it comes to their, their developments. I know we were, were chatting as well, obviously the, the move to HTech has come with a, a personal move to Germany as well. And it'd be interesting to, to see what you think about, I guess, the German market and their position in the, the global hydrogen landscape. Obviously those policies and regulations have such a, a big impact. So what, what's your kind of opinion on the, the German strategy at the moment? Well, I'm, I'm not an expert in the, in the hydrogen in general, like to, to give you the global perspective, but what, what, what's my take on the hydrogen in Germany is that basically, well, when, when I think about the, 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 the hydrogen space, I think the Germany is also the, the most, let's say, busy, one of the most busiest places and, and uh, where, where the, the most is happening when it comes to hydrogen space from the perspective of fuel cells and, and electrolyzers. And basically also this is one of the reasons that you need to, I think, if you are in a hydrogen space, you need to kind of follow the job. <laughs> And the, the, one of the reasons I, I moved also to, to a different country, I don't, I don't know the specifics, so maybe I'm, I'm not the best person to, to give you the answer, but I mean, what, what I, what I can see is that, yeah, basically we, we have all these technologies that are being developed, but still the demand is, it's way higher. And I, I think there are also some policies and programs and, and partnerships being created between Germany and, and other countries to, for example, bring the, the bring hydrogen from, I don't know, Mexico to, to Germany because, the, well, the supply will be just, just too high. And hydrogen is not only the automotive phase that I'm, I'm part of. And the, this is where, where my heart lies, but also it's a chemical industry, you know, you need hydrogen for for fertilizers for you know for ammonia for fertilizers etc so um, yeah it's lots to do and I think when I think about hydrogen I think about it in a more global way because it's it's not a country by country uh, scenario it's it's a it's a global effort that we need to take and they're all hands on deck <laughs> pretty much <laughs> I agree. Sometimes we see people looking at, at net zero, even city by city, and it's great for cities have to have their own goals. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, as you say, it's a global problem. And actually, it brings us on to kind of the next topic of um, the market as an entirety and the investment in the market. Um, and I think we have to, to all look at that on a global level. What sort of trends have you seen when it comes to, to the investment in the space? And what do you think needs to happen? moving forward yeah i think the the 
kind of the pattern that I see is basically, I've heard this one comparison that I like that, you know, people kind of take a, you know, the handful of seeds and they just throw on the soil and think <laughs> and see what will come out of it, what will grow out of it. And I think this is kind of the approach to investment in the space also, you know, because you, you can think about hydrogen from different, you know, from the technology of, for example, fuel cell electrolyzer, then electrolyzer has different types depending on the maturity of the technology. And I think, I don't know what, what will be the go-to method. Maybe there there shouldn't be one. Maybe we should approach it like in investment in general. We should diversify and, and have, you know, decrease the monopoly for, for certain certain technology or certain materials. And for, for what I can see at the moment, I see diversification and, and basically tapping into different different technologies and and yeah, seeing what, what will what will be the best solution, I don't know, 10, 5, 15 years from, from now. Definitely. And it'd be interesting to see how that changes, I guess, as technologies become more established and, and what the different approaches will be. Um, I guess one thing that we see quite a lot and why we like to do podcasts like this is to see where we can keep the momentum going as much as we can in the market, I guess. As someone who's so heavily in the space, what do you think can be done to to keep that momentum for the funding investment, whether it's, I guess, publicly or, or privately? In, in terms of how do we keep the market so prominent, I think obviously there's a lot being done in terms of lobbying for governments, but then also encouraging private investment companies to, to get involved. So, you know, whether that's conferences or talking, how do you think people can keep the, the momentum up in the market? Well, I, where, where I can see, what, what I can see maybe in the future is basically, well, the, the collaboration between, well, innovators, uh, one thing, investors, policymakers, because, well, you can have all these brilliant ideas, but if you don't have money, then, I mean, what you can do with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, you can, uh, you, you can have all the money, but you, you, you know, if you don't have a technical knowledge, and this is something that, you know, it's, being an expert in this space takes time and it's, you know, the entry level for, for becoming an expert is, it's lengthy. And, you know, I think bringing these people together and also having this third dimension of policymakers can, can, you know, I think, well, keep the momentum going or accelerate what is already happening at the moment. One thing I would, I would add maybe is to also to increase the, uh, let's say the education when it comes to actually um you know showing the importance of this change to people that are not really involved in in this you know space of hydrogen and clean te clean technology because at the end of the day you know, people vote with their money for example whether they want to buy a hydrogen car or you know diesel car or something like that and 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 showing the importance of it and and also well when i think about investment i, I need to mention investing in people and uh, because it's not only investment into startups and uh, you know people who already are in the space but also we need more and more experts to actually accommodate all this you know demand that is from you know from the from the industry because yeah i mean as i said i mean the having specialized expert in this space takes time and i mean we need to encourage more people and especially i think women because yeah i mean breaking into industry may be daunting for a lot of people so basically we have a lot of expert in experts in in academia that are could thrive in in industry but they basically they don't know how to break in or they don't have the enough courage or 
there are some other circumstances. So helping those people, uh, first of all, de de develop these skills that are required and helping them to, to bridge between these two worlds or even break into industry, it's, it's something of importance. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that I think like linking back to the mentors at the start is so important for women in this space is having people they can look up to and, and kind of get that guidance from. Um, yeah, definitely agree on that side. Um, and I guess you mentioned it there, it's, it's investing in people to become the experts, I guess, for professionals who are looking to enter into the hydrogen industry, what are kind of those skills and, and knowledge gaps you think they should work on that will help them to, to succeed? Well, basically, you need to have technical skills. But I mean, as, as I always like to say, you know, you can if you have gaps, you can always, you know, pick up the pick up the gaps. I mean, you can always learn and pick up with, with what you are missing. But I think what is what is needed even more, I think it's also this, you know, this flexibility to learn and adapt and be agile in this space, because this is so fast paced environment and you you need to be flexible and, and be agile to, you know, to sometimes pivot and, <laughs> and make changes and take different decisions. And I think one of the things is to, to stay curious because, I mean, the curiosity will help you. I don't know. I think it helps on so many levels, like being innovative, being creative and just, you know, being the, the inventor that the, the industry needs to, to create better change, bigger change when it comes to development of technologies. And uh, if you can remind me the question again. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think that that covers it. it it's kind of just a, in terms of people who are looking to get into the sector, um, skills and knowledge they need. And I think that that curiosity piece is, is great advice for people. I would add one more thing. So I think one of the things that is I think might be sometimes neglected and forgotten is relationship building. And what, what I, I had to learn the hard way <laughs> is actually, you know, forcing myself to, you know, just talk to strangers on LinkedIn, for example, right? And approaching different people like CEOs, I don't know, different policymakers, et cetera, people who, who I, I, I might be in, intimidated by, or I don't know, I would feel like, oh, maybe they will never reply me. Or some people maybe think that, but I think this is really important to to go out there, go to I don't know networking events, conferences. If if you are at academia and he, if you just you know mingle around your own peers, you would never meet people from from outside of your comfort zone and from outside of your expertise. Because I mean, people from industry from industry or policymakers will bring you different view on on the problem and 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 maybe they will provide you with the missing puzzles that you have for for solving your problems and yeah networking and and relationship building is i think also super crucial i really like that you brought that side of it because i think people often focus on the technical side but actually you talked through that curiosity creativity collaboration going out of your comfort zone four c's we should be the four c's of four c's of mastering the hydrogen world um, but no, I think that they're, they're actually really fundamental because, as you said earlier, you can have great ideas, but without the money, they go nowhere. But I think you can also have great ideas and without collaboration, they go nowhere. And, and something we see in this sector that you don't see in all sectors is people actually 
want to see others do well. So as much as you have your competitors and, and of course, you know, competitors by very nature, there is competition, but actually we need we need lots of people to succeed in the sector for it to get to where it needs to go. And because of that, we see a great sense of collaboration. And I think you touched on it there, but also the kind of theme, the running through of that, being able to reach out to people and actually they do come back to you. And, and I think that's been something that people overwhelmingly talk about, that you can approach a CEO or a policymaker or whoever it might be and, and ask for advice and guidance. And actually they have a vested interest in the sector, so they do come back to you. So I think, editor, you're going to be inundated with people looking for a new <laughs> inspirational mentor. Um, <laughs> um, but no, that I mean, your story is brilliant um, and you've taken giant leaps of faith in your career. And I think it sounds like it's paying off, not just because you're being successful, but you're obviously super happy in what you do, which is <laughs> which is really important. Um, and our, our strap line at Brightsmith is live your purpose. And I think you're someone who is wholeheartedly doing that. So please keep doing it. I still keep asking myself, what does it mean <laughs> to live my purpose? But I think I'm getting somewhere closer. <laughs> One thing that you reminded me of is, you know, the, the, the amount of different consortiums that I've seen in this space as well. And this is like for, for me, the, the confirmation, what, what you touched on is that, you know, how people want to collaborate, how people want to share have this knowledge transfer and and collaborate, you know, and contribute to wh wherever they can to to move this change forward. Because I mean, again, it's not, you know, one company with winning over the other, but we 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 have a global problem that we need to solve, <laughs> and, yeah. and we and we need uh, yeah all th all hands on deck. No, for sure. And I, that's a a lovely positive note for us to end on. I like to end on the collaboration piece. So thank you so much for for chatting to us. It's been great to learn more about your story. Um, and yeah, as Jenny says, I expect we'll have a very full inbox in the morning. So <laughs> um, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you, editor. Take care and, and very best of luck settling into a new company and the new country and, and taking the hydrogen world by storm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure to, to be the guest. Thank you.